Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. More than a movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. 2024 is going to be a monster year in politics. We want to keep you up to date on all things election, but you've got lives, families, jobs, and you can't always listen every day to the show. That's why we've created a podcast called 24 that gives a recap of our election coverage from the week. Think of it like a highlight reel, a breakdown of all the plays, analysis, and team interviews. 24 will drop at noon Eastern on Sundays in our podcast feed. You can find it on the free iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in Wednesday edition. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We are six days from the New Hampshire primary. What do we expect what do the remaining contenders, Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis, actually want? We will discuss. Tommy Tuberville, senator from Alabama, joins us at 2.30 Eastern time. So many different moving parts. The battle in New Hampshire is ongoing. Plus, major Supreme Court case Buck is even going to nerd out like he's a Law school, law review participant. That should be fun. Also, wait, wait, there is just, no I one. I want everyone to get their pocket protectors ready, my friends. Yes. There is no one kidnapped. Buck has got a puppy at his feet. I can hear uh Ginger yelping a little bit. I just want you all to know if you hear yelping, no one has been kidnapped. Although I will point out we are now having another snow day. It's like the third straight, I guess Martin Luther King Day was a holiday, but Tuesday and Wednesday, all my kids are home. And I just want to also let you know, in addition to the yelping you may get from a dog, my boys are directly downstairs from my studio playing Madden. And they scream and they yell and they fight like wild banshees. All that, plus Buck, I watched the 1980s movie last night that I had not seen in 30-some-odd years, Crocodile Dundee. At some point, we may have some fun with that. The kids absolutely loved it. But I want to start with this question for you. I think you are in agreement with me that in the wake of Donald Trump's 30-point win, uh, he has effectively locked up the Republican nomination. 
Vivek Ramaswamy acknowledged that, gets 7.7% of the vote. He has endorsed Trump. We'll play a little bit of that audio at a rally last night during the course of the show. That means that Trump now has two contenders remaining in this race. Ron DeSantis, who both you and me believe is the best governor in the country. He got everything right on COVID, but the Republican electorate did not respond to him in, a, in Iowa. And Nikki Haley, who is uh been out of office for a while, but basically is staking her claim on, I'm going to win New Hampshire or be close, and then I'm going to win South Carolina. So I want to I want to give you a thesis. I want to see how you would analyze this. Nikki Haley staying in the race makes sense to me because Nikki Haley would love to be vice president. She won't deny that she would take it. Trump seems to be flirting with the idea a bit in that he has not totally dismissed it. Uh, and she still thinks she can win New Hampshire and she is holding out hope that she can make a play in South Carolina. So I don't buy the logic of Nikki Haley's campaign, but I understand it. Okay, let's talk about Ron DeSantis. Right now, poll came out from the Boston Globe and Suffolk University, I believe, this morning. Donald Trump, 50%. Nikki Haley, 34%. Ron DeSantis, 5%. Now, there's still around 10% of people who are undecided and people can shift and there can be Republicans come in, there can be independents come in. If I were advising DeSantis right now, I think you and I both agree, Buck, that DeSantis does not want to be vice president. I don't think that DeSantis wants anything to do with any kind of cabinet position. I think he believes governor of Florida is a bigger and more prestigious deal. Okay. And by the way, you guys can react out there. 800-282-2882. It seems to me that the best way for DeSantis to maintain his political viability going forward on a national scale is to kick ass as governor for the remaining two years of his term and then run for the presidency again, potentially if he wants to do it, in the 2028 cycle. And if he endorses Trump and becomes a good soldier and says, hey, it is important that Trump beat Biden, certainly a lot of you out there would have preferred DeSantis. Yeah. But what? basically analyze this. Do you agree with I, – I can't figure – Nikki Haley makes sense to me. I can't figure out the DeSantis plan, Buck, unless it is, hey, there's going to be lawfare – Something's going to happen in the court system. The Supreme Court's going to do something, right. and I'm just going to stay in and wait and see if that happens. So the thing about that last option is we know that, Ron, I mean, that can't be the official strategy, right? Can't be Meaning explicitly you're, said. You're never going to have anyone who says, hey, Ron's staying in this thing just in case the Democrats' dirty tricks end up working, you know, much better than anticipated, right? So yes. that's one possibility there. Um, that, that it's really about, about, sorry, <laughs> Ginger's being No one is today, kidnapped. Folks. No one is kidnapped. It's a puppy. Uh, she's usually so quiet. She sits under the desk during the show most days. Uh, I don't know how many of you have raised a puppy recently, but you know, she's decided that she's been good for too long. So anyway, back to the, so now she's being naughty. Back to the news. Uh, here's what I, here's what I think. The, the challenge for DeSantis in terms of the timing here. Wall Street Journal that we mentioned, they've called on him to drop. Yes. Um, so there are there are a whole slew of Ted people. Cruz, by the way, we'll play that audio, came yeah. out and endorsed. He's, I mean, a lot of his people work in the DeSantis campaign, so that's not insignificant. Said he should he, drop out. He has formally endorsed Donald Trump and said that that uh, that DeSantis should drop out. 
CNN is no longer even holding a primary debate in New Hampshire because DeSantis right now is the only one who has accepted the invitation. Think about that. So to his credit, uh, he's willing to talk and and debate. I give credit to DeSantis for that. And and the the truth of the matter is, for DeSantis, first of all, I would tell CNN, look, I should be able to get a town hall out of this, right? Like, if I'm willing to show up, you know, I'm not canceling the dinner date. You guys should make good on this. Um, Nikki Haley is staying in it because there's no downside for Nikki Haley. She's not in office, right? So it's not like she has some other job to go back to. Um, Haley is tied with Trump in New Hampshire. And for her, uh, the the fees for speaking and for ghostwritten books, etc., just go up if she wins New Hampshire. So as a brand proposition, as a brand proposition, Nikki Haley, I think, continues on, certainly through New Hampshire. The question is, does she stop before... South Carolina, the because logic that may makes be sense to Nikki Haley. We yeah. agree on that. I'm just trying to work through if you're and I'm curious if you guys have have thought processes on this as well. And I'm missing something on DeSantis when the poll comes out this morning and it says that he has five percent of the support in New Hampshire, unless this is the worst poll ever. And remember, all of the Iowa polls ended up correct. Right. Everybody out there who was saying, oh, the polls are rigged. They don't make sense. Iowa polls nearly identical to what the final results were. So DeSantis is going to have to fight tooth and nail to get to double digits at all and be nowhere near Haley or Trump. What is the game plan here? I mean, the only thing I can think is that they are believing that some lawfare may happen and they're not going to drop out as a result in the event that something chaotic well, happens there. I, we have to remember that there's there's what's what's sensible in this campaign, what's sensible for their long-term political viability, their political brand if you will. And then there's also that thing that it's hard to judge but critical to keep in mind, ego. And the desire to keep going and the desire to stay in the fight even when it's looking like you have no chance to win. Um, and, and I think right now for the DeSantis team and for Nikki Haley, uh, well, Nikki Haley, we've already discussed this clear why she's staying in. I'll also say it's funny that Vivek. So I think it was last summer saying Vivek is basically in the race, um, in order to provide additional air cover for Trump's campaign by stopping attention from focusing on the people that actually want to be president instead of Trump, namely uh, DeSantis and Haley. And, I mean, Vivek got told he wasn't MAGA, and a day later Trump says, this guy's awesome, he's going to have a big role in my campaign. <laughs> and he drops out of New Hampshire. This yeah. is exactly what we said was going to happen, that he's running as an adjunct of the Trump campaign. Yeah. Everyone's kind of talked about, oh, he ran such a great campaign. Look, we... Technically speaking, in terms of his skill and his understanding of the media and his, his, uh, eloquence, um, whether you, whether you believe it is all intended or, uh, or not, I mean, or it is all, uh, you know, earnest, I should say, or not, um, his eloquence and all that, yes, that's exceptional, but he dropped out after the first contest and endorsed Trump right away, uh, which is essentially what you would have assumed he would do six months ago, right? So there's really, not much, and he finished last in Iowa. So there, I don't think there's any surprise with any of that. Peron, I, you know, no one, I don't think anyone's going to remember the prime. Like, this is the other part of this, too. We're so focused in on this right now. Is anyone even going to remember 
how Ron does in this primary in the next presidential election cycle? I don't think so. I don't Donors know. might. Donors might. If you gave a hundred million dollars uh of money to Ron DeSantis and he lost by thirty in Iowa and then he lost by forty in New Hampshire, it might make you less uh excited to donate in twenty eight. Whereas if you, yeah. I was gonna say if I mean if you wrote a check for ten million dollars to a Ron super PAC, let's just say, don't get any ideas. Uh but if you did that, um what would you want him to do at this point though? Would you want him to run through the tape even though he's uh, a lap behind the uh, the next, you know, the, so, the first l- l- place. Let me just or? say this: If I had a billion dollars, I would have given Ron DeSantis ten million dollars because he got everything right on COVID. And I'm, I'm saying, if I had a billion dollars, because I think you should reward politicians who get things right, and nobody got more right on COVID. And I was thinking about this some uh, this morning as I was getting ready, Buck. You and I are both super frustrated that there's been no reckoning on COVID, and I jotted down a note to myself. Why is that, right? Like, why did Kentucky reelect a COVID tyrant in a red state? Andy Bashir gets reelected. My theory is 25% of people got COVID right. That is, we shouldn't have locked down, shouldn't have shut down schools, shouldn't have worn masks. You and me were in that camp, but we were a minority, and we got ripped to the high heavens for years over all that perspective. And there are a lot of people listening to us right now that are in that camp. 50% of people are ashamed now because they just went along with the ascendant uh, mob, and they pretended that wearing masks mattered, and they, they, they did the social distancing, and they now know it's not true, but they don't want to examine their cowardice and acknowledge that they got everything wrong, because in the back of their mind, they knew it made no sense. And then 25% are Fauciites, and they're not going to ever acknowledge that they were wrong. And that actually makes some sense to me, because it explains why there isn't a majority that has been willing to rain down holy hell on all these imbeciles who got everything wrong. And I think a big part of Ron DeSantis's campaign, as you go back and look at it retrospectively, let's pretend that there were never any charges that were brought against Trump. I think that would have changed things. But I don't think that you and me, and I think a lot of the DeSantis people, we wanted reckonings for COVID, and most people were just like, I want to pretend that never happened and there are no consequences. And I find that incredibly unfulfilling, and I know you do because you got ripped to the high heavens. I bet the DeSantis team is furious over this because they got ripped to the high heavens, and they got everything right, and people just didn't care. They wanted to turn the page, and it wasn't a focus. And as a result, being right, it mattered in Florida for the state election because everybody knew, but most of the nation just wants to pretend COVID never happened now. Well, I also think that people focus on the problems that they have, not the problems that they used to have. Well, and that's, that's uh, and, a good and, point too. You know, and that's, we, we have to deal with that reality a little bit here because, um, you know, the, the reckoning didn't come. And so now to continue to sit here and, and focus in on that when we have the worst, I want to play that Jamie Dimon clip, the CEO of uh, JP Morgan Chase on the border. Very influential people. if people don't know who he is. Super influential in the, uh, in yeah, the one of the most powerful scene. bankers yeah. and finance, finance voices in the world. Okay. So yes, whether you care about his opinions or not, uh, Wall Street certainly does. And he's saying that all of, and you'll, by the way, you'll like what he says, everyone, when you hear at least this one clip we're going to play because he's spot on. It's totally true. Um, you know, the country has a lot of problems right now and COVID isn't one of them. And so I understand why at some, le- there was a time when I, th- when, you know, I sat here and I was legitimately 
like, I wouldn't say pulling my hair out. That would be hasty. But I was legitimately very upset about the lack of a reckoning. But I think now we're at the point where we've made our case. We've said our piece. We've done what we can. And a lot of people just feel like, hey, can we fix the economy, the border, and make sure we don't get into a forever war in the Middle East with Iran or get more extended into Ukraine? And so I get that, right? That's that's now something that I think a lot of the – we were right on COVID, and Clay and I are high-fiving each other on this, right on COVID. Um, there's other challenges to face, and and I think that's why Trump is uh, is dialed in and, and a few of his – well – I don't really know if they're competitors anymore, but some of the other challengers in the, uh, in the race are also looking at the here and now. So I, I can, I can make sense of that. I, I don't necessarily agree, but I see it. By the way, I think we agree on what Nikki Haley's motivations are. I'd be curious to hear today, DeSantis supporters, how do you want this campaign to go from here? If you are a dyed in the wool Ron DeSantis supporter and you were crushed, when he lost by 30 points in Iowa. Again, poll out this morning from Suffolk University. He's at 5% in New Hampshire. What would your take be? 800-282-2882. In the meantime, uh, a lot of us check an email, part of the daily routine, just like brushing our teeth. We don't think twice about it, just go through the motion. Uh, cyber criminals, counting on this. Clever ones send out emails, look like they're from companies you do business with. Even if you're careful, you might accidentally fall into the trap. Also now, by the way, how about text messages? How many of you are getting text messages telling you, oh, you got to go sign up, oh, your uh, account's been breached, oh, you got to do this? Even more uh, frustrating than emails sometimes is text messages that are popping into your phone. You need LifeLock to make sure that they can help protect you. Their online systems monitor and look for evidence that your information's being used illegally without your permission. That happened to you too, the text message thing? This morning, I got a text message basically saying, click this link because the driver can't find you. It was a scam. Scam link yeah. this morning. Yeah. Yeah. Happens all the time now on the text messages. LifeLock will help protect you, even if you think you're smart and you're making the right decision. It's almost impossible to tell from what's real and what's not. I know many of you email text messages feel the same way as me. I just had this conversation with my wife. It's like, oh, your bank's been breached. I was like, I don't think the bank's been breached. I had to talk to my wife about it, just getting random text messages. It feels weird to get them. Because a lot of times those text messages are real. Sometimes the emails are real. What's real, what's not? LifeLock will help to protect you in the event you get something wrong. And right now you can save 25% off your first year with the promo code CLAY. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK or you can go online to LifeLock.com using that promo code CLAY for 25% off. It's 1-800-LIFELOCK, promo code CLAY, C-L-A-Y. Make an appointment with the truth. Tune in every day to the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. 
More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Uh, our good friend Kamala Harris is on The View. We will play some of those clips for you coming up in a bit. We are kind of working through the continued fallout of the Monday Iowa caucuses. And I'll, I'll circle back around on this, Buck, because I do think um, that it is worth discussing. The overall turnout has ended up lower than we had any time in the last 20 years. And I think that's somewhat surprising, surprising to me. Cause I thought, Hey, we'll challenge the overall turnout for 2016. And if to the extent there is an attack, Democrats seem to be lining up and saying, Oh, Trump isn't actually that strong. Only 110,000 people showed up to vote in Iowa, way less than voted in 2016, the last time Trump ran a con- in a contested Iowa primary. And what does that say going forward? My thought is that the snow may well have actually tamped down overall turnout. You think anyone's but really actually, thinking about Iowa after Iowa? I feel like now that we've we've gotten past the results, I don't know that they're going to be making any case about it. I think in a week, no one's even going to remember Iowa happened. Well, I think winning by 30, as Trump it, did, really kind of raises the question, why did nobody show up for DeSantis and Haley if there was actually substantial dislike for Trump, right? You haven't seen that attack ad. That's like J.B. Pritzker's coming out. They're trying to go after the idea because Trump won by 30, but they're now focusing on turnout, saying the lack of turnout actually demonstrates there's not a great deal of enthusiasm for Trump. That's the, I mean, that's the attack ad right now. In th- you know, this is there. You can always find some number or some set. First of all, the Iowa numbers, 2016 was the aberration it's pretty much in line with Iowa caucuses stretching back for a few election cycles, right? So yeah. you, really it's to compare it to 2016 is to say, well, it's not like the huge year of first of Trump's first run. Okay. Yeah. But it's pretty standard for other Iowa caucuses. So it's not well, like I it's think 50%. You may hear that argument. I'm hearing it. I'm hearing people try to say, Oh, this is the sign that Trump, yeah, but the problem but they're, with they're that, making is- that argument this week, because they're trying to, they, they're desperate for any counter programming from Trump just crush the competition and is clearly going to win the G, you know, they, they, what are they going to say on MSNBC? Momentous victory for Donald Trump. We've underestimated him. No, they're going to find something, right? They're going to say, Oh, well, it's down compared to some other year. And what I'm saying, Clay, isn't that, yeah, right now, maybe people are talking about it, but once New Hampshire, what do you think they're going to say in New Hampshire? 
oh my gosh, Nikki. First of all, Nikki Haley may win New Hampshire. It will mean nothing, right? I mean, didn't uh, you go back and look at other other cycles? I think Pat Buchanan won New Hampshire back in uh, '96, right? So Pat John Buchanan McCain won- beat Bush in 2000 in, in New Hampshire. Right. So, so Hillary New Clinton beat Barack Obama in 2008. Remember, after she cried, she came back and won uh, New Hampshire and turned it remember. into Was a big it, battle. Did Bernie win New Hampshire back in 2020 for the Democrats? I know Pete Buttigieg won Iowa. See, but this is what I'm saying. We follow politics all the time. You can't even keep all this stuff straight. They're going to have a narrative during the week of New Hampshire where if Trump is first or second, it's going to be, it's not enough. And then they're going to have some narrative when Trump runs the table on a bunch of other states, which I think we all know is coming, and he's going to run the table by huge, huge numbers. So you see what I mean? Like they're they're just I think it's kind of sad. Their their argument's kind of sad. Like they need. To I do think it's desperate. It's also the argument that the DeSantis and Haley team are making right now. Uh, speaking of sad, I I think they're very which, sad. Which comes back around to I don't even think we got a single call about it. This is important, right? Um. I always say, be careful how much attention you pay to social media, because social media is a pinprick of the actual electorate. And if you followed social media, Vivek looked dominant on social media. He was incredibly skilled and adroit at moving social media in his favor. He got 7.7% in Iowa, which was a very good performance. I think if you had said when Vivek entered the race, hey, he's going to come in fourth, that would have been a very good result. I mean, there are a lot of professional politicians that Vivek outlasted. But well, he, he created, hold on, but, but but on the Vivek thing, Clay, he created this bubble of invincibility from MAGA attack because he was basically running as an adjunct of the Trump campaign. Yeah. Haley and DeSantis and Chris, well, Chris Christie, not really that much because it never really got any numbers. There've been there've been millions and millions of dollars spent by Trump packs and by the Trump campaign to smash those guys. It's, yes, the, the worst that Vivek got was one tweet like he's not MAGA, and then a day later, psych, he's MAGA. I love him. We were just kidding. So you know, look, it's like what Vivek did. On the one hand, I can see it as people people seeing it as uh as brilliant because he was able to get as much as he did and as far as he did without it. But he was only able to do it because he wasn't really running to be president. And that was the, and I said that all along. He wasn't running to be president, which was quite clear. I think they're going to go back again, retrospectively. I think this race is over, right? And by the way, I, I, what I wanted to say was on Monday, sorry, Tuesday, we said, Hey, if you think the race is not over, call in. We got one call on that issue from people saying the race not over. What did I say to start the show today? How do you want DeSantis to finish the race? The DeSantis people have just thrown in the towel. Even the diehards that are listening to us right now, they're like, it's over. I think the retroactive, uh, retrospective analysis of this campaign is going to show, one, that you couldn't win once Trump got indicted. I, I really think you couldn't win unless you ran a perfect campaign. But I think the data is going to reflect that if you wanted to win, you had to go directly after Trump and throw punches at him. And... It seems to me that both Nikki Haley and DeSantis, who are the final candidates standing, were trying to have it both ways. They wanted Trump supporters to like them, but they never really went aggressively after Trump enough to actually beat him. Now, Vivek didn't even go after him, right? The guy who actually went after him was Chris Christie. He never go had any him. actual. 
he was basically yes. saying he's the best president since George Washington or something. I yes. mean, it's, it's not just he didn't go after him. And this is what I mean. I, I Again, I see the great sides of Vivek. I totally respect his skill, his acumen, his intelligence. On a personal level, I like Vivek, but he wasn't running for president. The whole thing was kind of a – it felt a little scammy, okay? He's running to be there on behalf of the MAGA campaign or of the Trump campaign on stage – swatting at other people and and it was brilliant for him like what he did for vivek was totally effective but for a lot of us i think we're sitting here saying okay but if you don't you, you can't say that someone's the best president in the history of the republic and they're running but you're also running i, I think, that's, think that's, there was yeah i think there was a lane where like chris christie basically just ran a campaign that was trump is evil stop trump at all costs yeah stop trump at all costs that doesn't win right but I think there was a lane, and I don't think anybody hit it, where you ran and said, Trump is not the right choice. I'm going to rip Trump, but I'm going to tell you why I'm the right choice. And I don't think anybody actually ran that, right? Like, there, there is a lane where Trump was really good, but his time has passed. We got an old I, guy running Joe Biden. But I think... I, I, you don't I even look, think that lane existed. I don't... I don't look, I, I, I think what Iowa showed everybody is that it's still Trump's Republican Party, and the party, by by substantial majority, does not want to move on. They want to give him another shot. Now, if that is macro-level analysis that is accurate, I think a lot of this other stuff is almost... Uh, it's it's the, beside the one thing the point I would because, like to see. You see what I mean? It's yeah, no. I, could could anything really have to? Given the actual mood as we are seeing it from the polls of the Republican primary electorate, is anything that any of these candidates could have done or would have done going to change that? I don't think so. I don't think it does. I would like to see the multiverse where Trump never gets charged. I, the the race, if there are no charges that are ever brought against Trump. I think is a totally different race. I think as soon as Biden and his Department of Justice and the state of New York charged Trump, they opened up uh, a uh, a situation where the rallying effect behind Trump made it almost impossible for anybody else to win. And and, and here's here's the part of this that we all have to understand. And I think I say this as motivation. I say this as motivation for the Republican Party, for all the close races, for the almost certain Trump reelect campaign coming up. If the whole game was to indict Trump so he could win, so then they could beat him in the general and they pull that off, our party should be ashamed, ashamed of how foolish we are. So we have to make sure that that does not happen, because if that does happen, we will have been outmaneuvered swindled and schooled by the biden pelosi democrats it's true that's that's the i just want to go on record that yeah. is the truth right now everybody so we we better win this one because we will have egg all everyone who votes for trump everyone who votes republican this fall if biden ends up winning and it's all because of these indictments it's on us for walking into the trap so the answer here is of course trump's got to win we just got to make sure trump wins it's true that, you know, I mean, I, I, I mean, don't, you're right. They they have laid. They did exactly what they wanted to do. I think they made the calculated decision that if they indicted Trump, it would make Trump the nominee. And a lot of Trump people don't want to hear that. Mm. 
Biden wants to run against Trump. If so, Biden but you see what nominated. I'm saying? That they yeah. raise the stakes such that if Biden, let's just say, beats Trump, it changes. If you're right and it turns into Michelle Obama, well, that's a whole other plan. Then the plan wasn't really just the indictments. Well, I and they think want that, I think that I think they would be acknowledging that the plan wasn't working and basically Correct. breaking the glass. That's if right. Michelle Obama is the play. If they continue with Biden in this race, the plan was always Biden v. Trump. Understand that now. We need to own that. If they continue with Biden in the race, which I think they will. Clay thinks probably not. Um, but that also means we need to see that uh, we will be, as a party, as a movement, made to look like utter fools if Joe Biden is getting sworn in again and, in January And you want to talk about 4D chess. This would have been they set down a couple of years out and said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to bring charges in 2024 like that. I I really think that is what they have decided to do. I think this is a calculated decision. And and now it could blow up in their faces. The outcome determines the wisdom of the strategy. Yes, correct. The outcome determines the wisdom. So because, man, it is if this if that is anyway, we're motivated. We're going to get it done. Trump's going to get it done. I got to say one thing that we haven't talked about very much. Has Trump had a single in terms of just winning, in terms of brute force politics of winning, has he had a single misstep really in his campaign uh this you know this past year? Whether it was not debating uh the different candidates, the whole Vivek ploy, all of this, I think the Trump campaign has actually shown a lot of uh a lot of dexterity. The influencer campaign online, keeping everybody you know what I mean? Like they they they're playing I to think- win. I think the best thing that this is one thing that I do think is blown up on Democrats. I think Trump not being on Twitter helps him immensely. I really do because the people who would otherwise be obsessed, they're lazy and they don't go to truth social. They just it's don't. kind of funny. It's true. They have no, they have no idea. Only the only people know it's on truth social are Trump voters. That's right. So, yeah. So he gets true. his message out without getting the constant like, Oh my God, the world's going to end. Yeah. See, Clayton's voices too. Everybody, if you disagree with anything, we, I, I want disagreement right now on the calls. 800-282-2882. Pick us apart. Or you can call in to talk about how Clay's German doppelganger is so fancy. He's amazing. Yeah. I got oh, caught was, in that guy's Instagram account. It was like looking was into a different Phenomenal world. yesterday. We blew up the internet with that thing yesterday. I, I didn't realize that Clay spoke German this whole time. Who knew? You know, if you're running out of steam halfway through the day, let's get you set up with a chalk subscription. Their natural supplements are specially formulated for both women and men. The female vitality stack provides hormone balance, a better stress response, even collagen production. The male vitality stack provides increased energy by replenishing diminished amounts of testosterone, which activates your drive and stamina each day. The leading ingredient in chalk has been proven to increase testosterone by 20% in just three months' time. They also have a powder supplement Chad mode, it's a pre-workout and a game changer. I love this stuff. I get fired up. I'm running around getting all kinds of stuff done on Chad mode. You can find all of Chalk's amazing products online at Chalk.com. That's C-H-O-Q.com. And use my name, Buck, as your promo code. You'll get 35% off any Chalk subscription for life. Go to Chalk, C-H-O-Q.com. Use promo code Buck. Get 35% off for life. 24 Clay and Buck's weekly campaign cliff notes. Episodes drop Sundays at noon Eastern on the free iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. As we gear up for the biggest year in politics, one thing we can all do now is start voting with our wallets. 
By supporting brands and companies that share your values, you're sending a message. It's like buying a team jersey, and we're on Team Sanity. Our sponsors are, too. So before we get behind the candidates, let's get behind the people, our people. Every day, men and women who have started businesses across the country, people just like you and me. Support a Clan Buck sponsor and let your voice be heard. The more of us that support them, the louder our collective voice becomes. Welcome back in, team. Um, you know, one, do we, do we get into Chevron deference? Do we get into Chevron deference? That is, now? that is, is nerdy, we... even for law people nerdy, but it is an important case. I think I can, can we do a, a short version of Chevron deference? Cause I, I think it, cause it was heard today, oral arguments, the Supreme Court, and we had mentioned it at the top. And I, I want to get into a little bit of additional, uh, a, a little bit deeper into some of the, the substance. Cause you know, look, the elections, it's happening Tuesday. We'll see. We've made some predictions, but here, here we go. I'll, I'll lay this out as, as best I can for everybody. So there's the, I'm just realizing this is a big, this is a big ask, actually. This is not easy to describe. I tried, when you said, when you said off air, hey, the Chevron case, I was like, man, that's even for, even for legal people, this is a nerdy thing to explain. It's significant, but super nerdy. So, so I'll, I'll give a layman's interpretation of what's going on. The Supreme Court's hearing a case and it has to do uh, with the way that the federal bureaucracy is able to get deference when it comes to the interpretation of congressional statute. In essence, if there's some broad authority, let's say that like the EPA has on wetlands, and you go, okay, I like wetlands to be protected. I don't want all the marshes and the swamps to disappear because I like alligators and flamingos or whatever. Obviously, Florida-centric down here, but you get what I'm saying. Well, what if they decide that actually a wetland is a body of water that's in your backyard, and therefore you actually no longer own your own land, and if you try to drain it, you're going to get fined thousands of dollars a day? Well, you won't find that in any congressionally passed law. You will find that in the EPA deciding it's in its own way. And this is just an example. So if, you know, for some reason there is some EPA law lets them do this, but um, you know, you can see how they will extend their mandate far beyond, um, what is actually written down. Now this kind of makes some sense in the context of if you have, say, a federal agency that's dealing with minor stuff. That's, uh, you know, almost like a more of a clerical issue. All right. It shouldn't have to get handled by the courts because there's so many agencies. Maybe that's the problem and so many different laws already that it's meant to streamline things. And so the Supreme Court had essentially decided that there should be deference given, um, deference given to the federal interpret federal agency interpretation of statute. Uh, the, the case that's before them that was heard today, the oral arguments have to do with, um, a fisherman who had to pay. This is for the national like fisheries. I can't even remember. By the way, I used to live in the world of acronyms. There are 430 federal agencies and other regulatory a- agencies, um, which is think about that for a second. Do you think about that? Class? I, ju- I just am laughing because I'm trying to picture. 
people understanding the way that regulatory agency power exists and how the Supreme Court is going to make decisions about that and how difficult it is to explain why this is so important in a way that grips immediately everybody's attention. Because this is so nuanced and complicated that it's hard to distill it into a sentence or two. But this this is the possibility that we have for the administrative state to be gutted. So it's so Clay and I agree on this point. It's very possibly important here, depending on how it goes. It's a it's a momentous case, but it gets way down into the functioning of the bureaucracy. Um and you know, this is uh this is where the oh the fisherman sorry I was looking for this the Magnuson uh, the Magnuson Stevens Fishery Conservation and Management Act okay yeah no this is getting real yeah. the MSA we're getting real deep into it this was passed back in 1976 to stop overfishing okay but what it's meant is that now the MSA is able to just come up with all these rules and the rule that that brought this case specifically was. Fish monitors, oh, these guys make sure that you're doing all the stuff you're supposed to and the fish are the appropriate size and everything else. And the boats have to pay for them, Clay. So that's the part. So they're saying, hold on a second. Congress never passed a law that I have to pay for a fishery management agent to be on my boat, making sure I don't break actual laws or regulations. This is a Supreme Court case. And so what the Supreme Court has to look at is, is this even fair? So there's a due process component to it. Is it a usurpation of judicial authority because the judiciary should be making these determinations, not a federal agency when it comes to statute? And there are a couple of other things we can get into. But anyway, I I think that basically gets to it. Yeah, the way the way I would sum it up is if you believe the United States government has become overloaded with bureaucracy, I think you're correct, right? One of the things that Vivek said that I would agree with, and we saw Elon Musk do it with X slash Twitter is, I really think, I think Elon said, uh, sorry, Vivek said he would fire 75% of all federal employees. That's sometimes said, but I think that could occur and we wouldn't lose any actual efficiency because our tax dollars go to pay a lot of people who don't do anything, right? But what happens is here, I'm trying to think how to explain it easily. Congress decides that they are going to implement a law. And then they put a regulatory agency, basically, in charge of implementing that law. And the question that is uh, being examined is how much deference has to be given, and I'm speaking generally not about this case in particular, how much deference has to be given to the administrative state to be able to manage the delegation of authority that Congress gave to an agency. Now, that might sound complicated because it is really kind of nuanced, but effectively, the way to think about it, Buck, is if you're upset about what one of these agencies is doing, they are saying they derive their authority from Congress. What the courts are trying to examine is how much deference do these agencies deserve relative to where their power designation comes from, and how challenging is it if you're a citizen out there who feels like There is no way to address the power-hungry administrative state that is deciding effectively to make law without the authority to do so and potentially without effective judicial review. 
Now, that may be complicated, but that's the essence of what is at stake here. And really, what the courts are examining is how much control should we have over decisions that are being made by the administrative state. It's a separation of powers examination. And if you are listening right now and you're like, man, that sounds really interesting, you should go to law school uh, because this is the kind of thing that you spend a lot of time sitting around debating as it pertains to separation of powers in our current government, right? Um, and so the big issue is that our government's become far too large and gets involved in regulating far well, too many things. I mean, I think that's what most people out there would agree with. That's absolutely true, but also you have unaccountable agencies that are making things that are effectively law. That that are not held accountable. And and, and so if you don't like the EPA's interpretation, and this all rests on, the whole Chevron deference principle rests on a reasonable interpretation of statute. Well, guess what the federal agencies, which are overloaded with left-wing authoritarian Democrats, have done? They've taken entirely unreasonable interpretations of statutes. The Supreme Court actually had to strike down the EPA's ability to monitor CO2 emissions, right? I mean, these are the kinds of things now, if if the EPA can monitor CO2 emissions, the EPA is effectively, you know, God king of our economy. Like, it it can run everything. There's nothing that is beyond its its remit. And so, you know, that's that's where you, you start to see, and people that have, dealt with any federal agency and any of these regulations understand that, you know, there's this tremendous frustration because you're being held legally responsible to obey things that are really just the whim of bureaucrats working in an agency that are only created via congressional action in the first place. And if Congress has not spoken on something, you should not be held to account civilly and criminally in some cases, I might add. I mean, this is part of the big over-criminalization of federal law. So, okay, we did it. We, we went there. The Chevron doctor, uh, Chevron deference. If this is overturned, it's a huge deal within the federal government and it will mean that you will have a, I think a restoration of both legislative and judicial prerogative and constitutional separation and accountability. And that's a good thing. It's a nerdy case with enormously beneficial implications if they overturn this. They're going to argue stare decisis. You know, it's already been decided, but and, you know, you can always argue stare decisis and these kinds of things. It doesn't, that doesn't hold water. This, I think, has the potential to be the most consequential year of Supreme Court rulings, maybe in related to the election cases that are going to be playing out as well. Um, and in fact, when we come back, Buck, um, I'm going to set the table because the third hour, Joe Manchin is starting to flirt with the idea of running. Now that it appears that Trump and Biden are both going to be at least locked in for the spring as the presumptive candidates of the Democrat and Republican Party, how many third parties are there going to be? And how much of that is going to implicate who ends up winning this election? I'm not hearing a lot of discussion about the third party angle. We've talked about the motivations of Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, how that's going to play out in New Hampshire as we sit six days out. But I actually think one of the most important aspects of this race is also going to be decided in the near future. And it is this, how many of these third party candidates are going to dive in and what is that going to do to the overall vote totals in general? Um, we'll discuss that next. Uh, you can also weigh in as always 800-282-2882 and Senator Tommy Tuberville is going to join us in the third hour. 
So that is going to be the only, uh, the only guest for today. And I want to tell you as, uh, as we roll in coming towards the end of the second hour of the program, uh, we've got really good work that's being done by Hillsdale College. They are helping to hook up so many people out there, uh, who want actual, reliable education for their kids and the work that these guys are doing at Hillsdale over and above the university itself is pretty incredible. Uh, right now, uh, they have got, uh, Americans between the ages of 18 to 30 are likely to reject patriotism compared to people who are older. How did that happen? Uh, why are they making this choice? Hillsdale's examining it. Uh, and look, the Hillsdale's just one college, but they've got a voice. They invest in a curriculum for charter schools nationwide and they offer aspects of their on-campus teaching and online courses. In fact, this week, you're likely to hear their Constitution Minutes on our program. If you love history and you're trying to get your kids into it, Constitution Minutes, bite-sized gems that'll get them hooked. We're proud to have Hillsdale on board with us again this year, particularly with their Constitution Minutes. If you miss the minutes, you can hear them on our website where we will be posting them for you, clayandbuck4hillsdale.com. That's clayandbuck4hillsdale.com. One more time. Clay and Buck for Hillsdale.com. Check it out today. Want more Clay and Buck that you didn't hear on the show? Get podcast extras in the Clay and Buck podcast feed. Find it on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you joining us. We are joined now by Senator from Alabama, Tommy Tuberville. we got a bunch to dive into with you, but I want to start with this. I, I don't think I've heard you comment on it too much, but you coached against Nick Saban. 
most legendary, I think, dynastic college football coach of all time. What was your reaction when you saw Saban announce that he was stepping down? Well, good afternoon, guys. Glad to be on. Uh, wasn't really shocked. I think that he and I have talked quite a bit about the NIL over the last two years. He's very disappointed the direction that uh, college football and college sports are going. Uh, I think you could just see that uh, Nick is one of those that he has to control the football team. He has to have total control. And what the NIL does, it takes control out of the hands of the head football coach and coaches. It gives it more back to the players, right or wrong. So uh, he's kind of outgrown his time. Uh, you know, the, those of us that are came up in an era where uh, it was all about discipline, education, uh, and pulling a team together, it was uh, it was a lot of fun, but now that money has got involved, which right or wrong, it's it's there to stay. Uh, it's different, and it's different for people, especially people like Nick. So I wasn't surprised. I thought he might go another year or two, but uh, uh, you know he made the decision. He's got a lot of business deals going on all, all across the country, and I'm sure he's going to get involved in that now. I support the senator's analysis on this, and uh, I would just throw <laughs> in there, uh, Senator Tuberville, if you would tell me a little bit about, you know, we got a lot of conversation going on with the border and what's going on in terms of the Biden administration and, and what's being done. Um, you've introduced the No VA Resources for Illegal Aliens Act. Tell us about what this would do and what, what kind of a problem is this right now for the country? Well, first of all, the border is the biggest crisis going that, that's happened in our lifetime within our, with, with, within our country. Uh, we've had a lot of problems. And we're going to continue to have problems. But what's happening at the border is devastating to the inner workings of, of our Constitution, the people, the taxpayer citizens in this country. Uh, here's the problem that we've got. They just, one after another, they crop up. You know, our VA is very important. Uh, we have 19 million veterans across our country, which we owe every debt in the world to. Uh, they deserve the best health care in the world. Now, we have the biggest health care system in the world called the Veterans Administration. It is being funded by the taxpayers. It's very expensive. Nine million of the 19 million veterans actually participate in the VA because there's very long lines. A lot of them that don't need the VA, they use their own insurance, they go to other hospitals. Well, because the lines are so long, we've started what we call community care systems across the country in the rural areas, basically, where a veteran doesn't have to drive two hours to a VA that's the closest to him. Well, since the border's been opened, uh, the Biden administration had decided to use these community care systems in the rural areas for illegal immigrants. And so it, they're being prioritized. It's kicking our veterans to the end of the line. Money is being used from the Veterans Administration that's supposedly supposed to be used on the vets being used on illegal immigrants. It is wrong. Uh, the Biden administration knows it's wrong, but they can't handle it. I mean, we can't handle all these illegals in the country. It's, it's, it's crashing our health system, our education system, our, uh, economic system. We spent billions of dollars and it's only getting, going to get worse. Senator, you, um, have spent a lot of time, I think, over the years. In fact, I think we've asked you about this, uh, with Joe Manchin, who is for Democrats quite sane. He was on Fox News this morning talking about the situation at the border. Uh, as you just said, uh, that I think Joe Manchin described it as a disaster, but he's not going to run for re-election. 
Based on your knowledge of Joe Manchin, do you think he runs as a third-party presidential candidate, throws things into a bit of an uproar there, or not? How would you assess his political future? Yeah, I've talked to Joe several times a week. We actually did this NIL bill that we're trying to get pushed uh, on on the floor of the Senate. It's not going to happen as long as Chuck Schumer's there because they want to unionize all the athletes, which would be a total disaster. But uh, Joe understands. He's one of the same Democrats that actually understand the border's out of control. We've got to do something. Uh, Is he going to run? I think there's a good chance he could run in that no-name league or whatever uh, they call it. Uh, No labels, yeah. Yeah, also yeah. known as the No Name League. I like that. We should yeah, call it that. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. No Name. He's traveled uh, every weekend. He's going to somewhere. He, I know he's talking to a lot of big money people behind the scenes. Uh, he can't win. Uh, I think that uh, uh, I don't know what his uh, alternative motive is uh, behind it. He, he knows that uh, Trump's going to be hard to beat. I actually think if he does run, it will help. President Trump. I think uh, it will take some Democrats away from uh, whoever's running on the Democratic side. But I think, again, Joe and I, we're good friends. Matter of fact, he, you know, he grew up with Nick Saban, played on the same high school football team. His dad, Nick's dad was their coach. And so they're very, very close. Uh, We talk a lot about uh, about sports, but, uh, you know, I think Joe will probably run. uh, And uh, I think he'll be a detriment to the Democratic side if he does. What would what would you tell Nick Saban if he came to you and told you he was thinking about politics? Uh, I don't think you know. I I think he'd probably be good at it because anything he does, he's going to do it a hundred percent. But it you know you got to have patience for politics. Uh, Nick's one of those guys. He's nervous and uh, you know he he he's used to control, and that's one thing up here when you come. I mean, you can control a lot of things, but. Uh, you're only one vote out of a hundred. Uh, he was the only vote at Alabama for a long, long time that counted. So it's, uh, and as I said, that, that's one of the reasons I think that eventually it forced him to make this decision because he, he wasn't the only vote when the NIL came in. The players had a lot more power than they normally did. Not that it was not good. It was just, that's just the way he and I grew up. And, and when you start losing control like that, it just puts you in a tough situation. Do you think Joe Biden's going to be the nominee? We're talking to Senator Tommy Tuberville of, of Alabama. It seems pretty clear that Trump's going to be the Republican nominee. Big 30-point win, as you know, uh, on Monday of this week. Looks like he's going to win New Hampshire. Do you think that Biden's going to actually be the nominee? I, I, I don't. I can't imagine him being the nominee. I mean, he's gotten worse. Uh, he, he doesn't spend any time now in Washington, D.C., either Camp David or in Delaware. Uh, he hasn't done a... White House function all uh, this new year, which is uh, uh, what three weeks or so. Uh, he's not a functioning president. I mean, he's not a, not somebody that's hands on. I think he he's letting all his surrogates behind the scenes run everything. And just go. It showed you the other day. Number one, let's talk about the military. I'm on the armed services. You know that balloon flew across the country. They didn't tell him for four days that there was a balloon from China flying over Alaska, entering the United States. It took four days for them to tell the President of the United States, hey, we got a little problem here. So that's a slap in the face. Then there's another slap in the face for five days. It took the Secretary of Defense to call his boss and say, Listen, oh, by the way, I know we've had several bombings in the last two or three days. I'm in ICU. I'm not at work. You might ought to get somebody else to pull the trigger on making decisions in the military. So that's another slap in the face. 
he is not running the show. And I think people are starting to understand that more and more. They got to find somebody to run. They're going to run out of time, but I'm sure, you know, uh, President Obama, uh, you know, he's the guy that's basically running the show right now. Uh, he's looking for somebody to, to put in there in the last minute, but I don't think it's going to work. I, I think what the, the Democratic Party's done to our border and to our foreign relations uh, is absolutely devastated our country, and even Democrats are going to vote for the only guy that can make it better, and that's Donald Trump, because, yes, he's a horse's butt, but we need one in Washington, D.C. right now that tell these whack job crazies up here what to do, when to do it, get out of the way. This is how we're going to make things better for the American citizens in our country. I know you got a good relationship with Trump. Last question for you. If he came to you and he said, Tommy, who do you think the VP should be? Who do you think the vice president that would make the most sense for Trump would be? Have you given it much thought? You know, not really. Uh, I, I, there's three or four people I'd like to see him pick, but, uh, I don't, President Trump is the type of person, uh, a vice president can do whoever is not going to help him. I mean, it's, it's, it, it, I mean, he's going, he's got his people. You know, he's going to have 80 million people that's going to vote for him or more. Uh, I think this, this go around, if it's fair, the last one wasn't fair. We won't get into that, but I think we'll have a much fairer election. I think people are really disappointed in what's gone on in the last three years. And, uh, but I think, you know, Ben Carson, I'm, I'm hearing his name a lot. I'm not talking to the president about it. I play golf with him a lot. Uh, I don't want to get in that conversation because he's got enough on his plate. He's going to have people pushing him, but I just hope that, you know, he gets somebody that, uh, you know, can take the reins over after he's out after four years because this is our last chance. He's got to win. If he doesn't win, the country, as you and I know it, is gone. It's over with. We can't stand another, I don't know whether we can stand another 10, 12 months of this. It is absolutely out of control, but we got to have somebody that can pick up the reins after he's out in four years that can continue on with what he's going to do and get this country back on the right track. Senator Tuberville, know you're busy. Appreciate the time. Appreciate you coming on with us. And uh, congratulations to all the Auburn fans out there to not have to go against <laughs> Nick Saban anymore. I know that's been a big win for you guys to start the year. Thank you. That is Senator Tommy Tuberville of Alabama. We're just talking about a lot of things with him, including Nick Saban retiring. And, you know, we got football Four big games coming up this weekend. Divisional round playoffs. Uh, and you can make your picks with prize picks. I want you to listen carefully to me for a sec here. A lot of y'all, you're listening in Alabama right now. You know, can't necessarily make picks. You can do it with prize picks. You can do it in Georgia. You can do it in Texas. You can do it in California. Get your picks in. We talked about last week. I hit on a 10 to 1 payout for you guys. That is, you put down 10 bucks, you got back a hundred. They'll match whatever deposit you put down up to $100 free play for you, basically matching whatever money deposit you put down up to $100. It's easy to use. It's fun. Even Buck is using it. Go get hooked up today at prizepicks.com slash clay. That is prizepicks.com slash clay. You make picks. How do you think this player is going to do? How do you think that player is going to do? I'm going to give you more picks. On Friday, you can get your pencil out. Maybe we'll hit on another 10-to-1 winner. I'm going to give you picks on the divisional round playoff games coming up, going on all over the country. Get signed up today. Doesn't take very long. Super easy. No risk for the first 100 bucks. PrizePicks.com slash Clay. Go sign up now. Have some fun while you watch the games this weekend. 
You can. Your wife can. Your girlfriend can. Uh, your, your, your mom, your dad, everybody can play $300 prizepicks.com with a hundred dollar deposit. Prizepicks.com slash clay. Get your picks in today. Prizepicks.com slash clay. Need a break from politics? A little comedy to counter the craziness? So do we. The Sunday Hang. A weekend podcast to lighten things up a bit. Find it in the Clay and Buck podcast feed on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Avito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.